Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the Blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. You know what it is! It's Taco Tuesday! And here we are, Taco Tuesday on WABC. Talk Radio 77 in New York. Grab yourself a taco or whatever you want in the afternoon. We've got something to go along with you, Taco, today, by the way. A little bit later in the hour, we're going to give Van Morrison fans out there a chance to uh, earn, grab, win some tickets to his show on Saturday, September 10th, Forest Hill Stadium. We'll tell you how to do that a little bit later in the show. Van Morrison fans, be on the alert. Today is also a special day for this show. One year. We've been here a year today. And um, I'd just like to uh, take a minute and at the beginning of the show and thank everybody. Of course, if it were not for John Casamitidis, I wouldn't be on this radio station. And thank you, John and Chad Lopez. President of Red Apple Media and Matt Meany, our great, illustrious program director here. But it takes so many people <clears throat> to do a radio show. People that you will never meet, most likely, or hear about because they work behind the scenes. Everyone, the salespeople that, that work on shows to make sure that we have sponsors so that we can keep the show on the air, keep it going. But specifically the crew, you know, I have the best crew. We have Kevin, we have Diego, we have Pete in the studio with us, and my chief engineer, Scott Sokol, and then we have my social media team. And these guys, 
you wouldn't know them. Jason, Stephanie, all of them, everybody that works in the social media on our side, Gina, everybody is just pretty incredible. Joe, there are so many names. I don't want to leave anybody out, but you always do leave people out. And, of course, Jim Robinson, Lisa Cathy, who are my team, long before I even started this gig, who were just there uh, throughout. So it has been a year, and I must tell you, without trying to be braggadocious, without going into details, because we're not supposed to talk about these sort of things, but the success of this show has been due to you, those of you who listen, and there are more of you. Double the amount of people here since we started last year, and that has been just an amazing thing to behold. And so thank each and every one of you who listen to this program. We appreciate your presence here. And, of course, we have so many people that help us, from Mark Stein to our very own Princess Diana. And uh, Princess Di just sent me a story that had me, I didn't have time to do it, uh, to pull it up, but the story basically is about Liz Cheney. And and that if Liz Cheney, if Liz Cheney runs, she's not going to hurt Trump, she's going to hurt Biden. It's hilarious. The election was not stolen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And uh, and Princess Diana sent me something else today, and I don't know whether I'm going to have time to do this justice. In fact, I might just wait until Princess Diana uh, appears. Maybe we'll ask her to have a special appearance with us tomorrow um, early to discuss the New York Times. Because there is a report out from the union, the guild union of the New York Times, that is so damning that it deserves to have Princess die. She's the one that brought it to my attention. Break it down for you. It is just an incredible story about the old gray lady. So again, I'd like to just thank all of the people here at WABC. We have, this this radio station is just, it is an iconic crown jewel for a reason. The people that work here are simply the best at what they do. They're passionate about WABC. They love working for WABC. They love these call letters like I do. I have had now, uh, I don't want to tell you how many decade love affair with WABC going back to when I was first hired at WABC as their music research director and their first talk producer. And then, of course, the Rush Limbaugh years here at WABC. And it's been just the amazing thing. So I feel incredibly blessed to be able to be on the air here at this radio station like no other, working with people like no other. Now, a little bit later today, we're going to have the widow of a police captain, Captain David Dorn, who was murdered in the 2020 riots. I just saw another text come through from a very dear friend of mine. Joe Biden is the one who hurts Joe Biden. A good one. Give me a little break here. Everybody's got lines today. I mean, they're just flowing. Come on, man. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, So... But the widow of Captain David Dorn will will be with us. He uh, was killed. He was murdered back in the riots of 2020. I read the article, and our amazing executive producer, Jen, immediately was able to get a hold of her, track her down, and she agreed to come on the program. 
And that's what I mean. We have so many people. Jen, Rich Radabali, who, you know, Rich and I go back all the way to music radio days. And Rich is here as an executive producer. Jen is my producer. And Jen is one of these people behind the scenes who is just tireless. So I'm just full of gratitude today for everybody, and I just thank you again. I can't wait <clears throat> for you to hear, and it's very sad, but I need, but you need to hear this incredible woman, Mrs. Dorn. She's also was also a police officer. Their story is amazing, and what she has to say is quite amazing. Now, I want you to hear something today from a woman <clears throat> whose name you already know, Stacey Abrams. Stacey's running for the governorship of Georgia. We'll play it in a second. Today, of course, is primary day. Here in New York, we've got some races of consequence, including the Nadler Maloney race, including the open seat in District 10, including the race in Staten Island, where if voters want to, how shall we say, deliver a message, to the candidate there who gave Joe Biden a lifeline, the Republican candidate, and we heard a mouthful from people that just really say her opponent is a good guy and people should pay attention to him. That would be the race in, in Staten Island with Malacocas, who was one of the 13 Republicans to hand Joe Biden a lifeline and vote for this stupid infrastructure bill, which does not deliver infrastructure, but indeed it's just another slush fund for Democrats. So voters have a pick today. They can decide who's going to advance. It is also primary day in Florida. And voters will decide in Florida whether the political hack Charlie Crist will win against this uh, agriculture commission woman down there, Nikki Freed, for a chance to run against uh, Governor DeSantis in the in the free state of Florida, <clears throat> so it's going to be a pretty pretty interesting day. Nothing usually happens on primary day, of course. People are out voting, and if you intend to vote, please make sure you get out there and do that. Uh, by the way, Democrats, if you want to protest, you have Democrats and their abuse of your vote their abuse of this city, them shutting down this city, though the Democrats that have given you a crime-ridden city where they don't care about crime, maybe you ought to consider, and I don't say this lightly, there is a way to show your displeasure, and that's sometimes by not voting. Oh, is he trying to suppress the vote? No, I'm saying not voting is also a way to vote. You're voting with your absence. And you're saying, I don't like you enough to come out to the polls and vote for you. And one of the things that should happen is that Democrats should stop earning the, the, the people should just stop voting for Democrats for the sake of voting for Democrats. If you can't bring yourself because of your intrinsic hate of Republicans that you've been, been dealing with all of your life, for those of you hardcore leftist Democrats, who will never vote for a Republican, even though you know your own party's full of it. Maybe in order to protest your country, you might consider to protest the way that your party is trying to destroy New York. You might want to consider just saying, you know what, I'll skip this one. Just saying.
Can't wait to hear the reaction to that from some. That is radical. Well, because everybody keeps saying, you know, you have to vote. You have to vote. Be, protect, protect. No, you don't have to vote. No, you don't. You can sit your butt at home and protest. You can go do something else today. Okay, you don't have to vote. Now, yesterday I talked about some something that really upset quite a few of you. I heard a lot, have a lot of feedback from it, and that is the way that this administration, the Biden administration, has been com- complicit in the human trafficking and sexual and other crimes regarding these immigrant children that are coming into this country. These kids come in here, nobody knows who they are. They don't have a track record, of course. They don't have documentation. And what we learned yesterday is that there are predators out there who are swooping these kids up, who are raping them, abusing them in all sorts of heinous ways. And the the thing that, that bothers me just as much as the evil that these kids face is that this administration is complicit in bringing these kids here because they will not, will not protect and defend the, la- the laws of America. We've run out of time for Stacy. We'll deal with Stacy in the back half. Let's head to a break because I want to get to Mrs. Dorn as soon as we can. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, is here. It's both Snurley's Rush Hour, WABC, Talk Radio 77. We're coming right back. Roger, roger. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention, ditto heads. Attention, bow scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. MJ brings us back. WABC. Talk Radio 77. Remember, before the end of the show... We will be giving away a pair of tickets for Van Morrison at Forest Hill. That's coming up in the next half hour of the show. And we will tell you how to go about and get those. Ladies and gentlemen, so I discussed it late, earlier. Right now, we'd like to uh, introduce you to an incredible person. Her name is Ann Dorn. Her husband, Captain David Dorn, was murdered. He was a police captain. He was retired. But because of his love to protect the community and that sense of responsibility during the riots of 2020, he went out to try to protect a business where an alarm had tripped off. This business was owned by his friends 10 minutes away from the house. And it was there that he ran into looters, and those looters took his life. Mrs. Dorn, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the fact that this is, must be very difficult for you. Well, thank you for having me, James. You said in your article, you wrote an op-ed for Fox News, and you say yeah. in your article, in this op-ed piece, that your husband of 14 16 years 
you were married for 14 years after you met him. You had a long relationship. We were, we were together for 30 years. We were married for 16 of those years. And you said that he became a police officer because he believed in superheroes. Can you explain yeah, as that? A kid, as a kid, he always wanted to be a superhero. He just, you know, he loved comic books. He loved all that coming up as a kid. And, you know, and his dad was a reserve officer in the city of St. Louis. And that's what he's always wanted to be was a police officer his entire life. You guys met while you were working in a retail store, correct? Yes, we did. Yeah, we were working at what is now Macy's. It was famous and more in the city of St. Louis, yes. We worked together there and uh, developed a friendship. And um, over time, that friendship bloomed into a relationship and love. And he's the one who talked me into becoming a police officer. So both of you were police officers. He retired. And here yeah. come the riots. And you say in this article... In your op-ed, you say that he wanted to join the police office, the, the the police force, because he was he believed in he was a superhero. But you also say there yeah. are super villains out here. Can you explain yeah. what you mean by that? There are truly evil people out there that want nothing more than to hurt other people and to take from other people. Um, they don't want to work for what they have. They have no morals. They have no moral compass in their life to do what's right. And I believe those are the super villains. And, and, you know, there's just, it's just true evil. You know, you, you can't have good without evil and there is true evil out there. What happened? Tell us what happened to your husband. Um, that night I had worked, I, I was still working at that time and I had worked and I'd gotten home at 8 PM. We were working 12 hour shifts and, the riots had turned. They were peaceful all day, and they had turned, and you saw, we saw them reorganizing, and we saw, um, you know, with intel that we had, we knew that Black Lives Matter was planning all this stuff. It was all online. They were online um, communicating with each other, and our intel was watching that, and uh, we knew they were reorganizing, and I had gotten home, and I was still keeping up with it, and um, we knew they had set the 7-Eleven on fire. We knew they had started looting places. Um I had to go to bed because I was, had to be up early in the morning. And I got a phone call around 11, 12 o'clock at night saying that four of my policemen had been shot trying to protect the firemen who were trying to put out fires. And uh, I, I went and told Dave um, what had happened. He was down in the basement watching TV, so he wouldn't disturb me. And I told him what had happened, and I told him I was going to be going in even earlier um, to take care of those officers because I was the mental wellness coordinator at that time for the officers. So I was taking care of their trauma counseling. And uh, I informed him what was happening, that it escalated into more violence. And I went back to bed. And Dave, in the op-ed, Dave had answered those calls for 30 years. As long as I'd known Dave, Dave had always answered the, the alarm calls at, at least Pun and Jewelry. And every time he'd always gone, he, he'd wake me up to say, hey, I'm running to Lee's. And that night, he didn't wake me up. Um, I didn't know until after everything was said and done that he got the call between 2 and 2.30 that the alarms were going off at least. Apparently the police were dispatched originally and the crowd dispersed, but the crowd came back after the police left. And that's when Dave got the second call because apparently they had now gained entry into the building. Um, and Dave responded without waking me up. And, and about, um, and from what I understand from people on the scene, he was talking to the, the, the young men there telling them it's not worth it. You know, anything of value is locked up in a vault. 
Um, you might get a couple of silver chains. You might get a used TV. Uh, but there's nothing in there worth of any value to steal. Uh, they would have given them money. If they were out there stealing because they needed pampers or food for their family, he would have given them money to, to buy this for their families. Um, but to steal just to steal, he wasn't going to have it. And he was talking to them. And this young man came out of the, came out of the business and um, said something to him um, and walked about 10 paces away from him, turned around and fired 10 times at David, striking him four times, um, one fatally in the chest. You got the call? Um, I got a knock on the door. Um, Four o'clock in the morning, my doorbell was going off, um, and they were knocking on the door loudly. They must. They knew I was home sleeping. Uh, I was yelling for David to answer the door because normally he'd be there answering the door. I didn't know he was gone, and I didn't put it all together. And I answered the door, and there was the chief of police with two commanders standing at my door. And the first thing I asked him was, "Where's Dave?" You know, like he was supposed to know where he was. You know, um, and that's when he told me David was dead. Those were his words. He goes, "Yeah, David's dead," and he he was crying himself. Uh, he was a Dave was a mentor to Chief Hayden, and Chief and, and Chief Hayden had come up under Dave as a commander. Um, so Dave was very well respected amongst our in our not only our department but the entire community. So um, to have the chief there crying and telling me David was dead, I knew it was it was real. So it was it came as a very um, I was in shock. Is, is about all I can say about that. I was I was in a lot of shock at that moment. You say that Dave was not really <clears throat> a fan of, I guess, for lack of a better word, of Black Lives Matter. Dave was black, by the way. Yes, he was. And he yeah. said that one of the reasons that he could not support this movement was because they weren't doing anything to help black people that he could tell. Exactly. Exactly. That summer and the summer before, we had lots of children killed in our community, and you know, one was very close at heart to me. We had a young man, Xavier, um, up in North City. He was murdered, and I did a lot of community projects. And Xavier was one of the children I worked with. And Xavier was gunned down. Um, he caught a stray bullet. And not once did Black Lives Matter come to his family or uh, to help them anyway. There was no protest. There was never any protest, you know, in lieu of our children being murdered. There was no protest of any kind you know, of children being murdered. It was always a, a white officer on a black individual. It was, you know, a black officer on a black individual, sometimes maybe, but it was usually, they always wanted to look for a racist spin on it. Um, and, you know, they, they never gave back to the communities anywhere. Anytime there was any type of riot, you know, with Michael Brown riots or any of the other riots throughout the communities within the country, not once did you Yeah. Not once. And this is after, by the way, BLM raised over a billion dollars in total from American corporations. Did we lose her? Did we lose you? I think we lost the line. Let's try to get her back. Let's do this. Let's go for a break, and let's try to get Mrs. Dorn back. And we will uh, <clears throat> we'll rejoin Mrs. Dorn if we can. I want to wrap this up, but I want you to hear from Mrs. Dorn's mouth, who she believes some of the villains in this story are. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, we are here. Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour will be back right after this. Taco Tuesday! 
James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Silver Cross. From his debut album, won four Grammys that year, never be the same. Primary day here in New York. Keep it here on WABC. Dominic Carter up later tonight. Fill you in on all the latest details, what you need to know about the primaries here in New York and the surrounding areas. We were talking with Ann Dorn. Our line was lost with her. We tried to reach her back and could not reach her. So let me just wrap up the thought on this, and you'll understand, I think, why I had her on. She says in her op-ed, and it's in Fox today, Dave became a cop because when he was a little boy, he wanted to be a superhero, and he was a superhero. But if real-life superheroes exist, so do supervillains. Those supervillains are people like the man who killed my husband. They are people like billionaire George Soros, who used their power and influence to promote extremist politics and fan the flames of division. They are people, the supervillains, like Vice President Kamala Harris, who raised money for the rioters' bail funds, and the CEOs of prominent companies who blindly gave their support and money to this. If a foreign organization were tied to nationwide rioting in the U.S., we'd probably call it a terrorist organization. David didn't agree with or support Black Lives Matter. He never understood Black Lives Matter because it never actually did anything to help black lives. The same year David was killed, over a dozen children were shot in St. Louis and never once did Black Lives Matter show up. Their lives mattered. 55 businesses were looted or destroyed the night David was murdered. Many of them black-owned. Their livelihoods mattered. My husband was a black man who selflessly served his community for 40 years, his life mattered. Ultimately, David was murdered because the people who are supposed to protect our streets, active duty police officers, were ordered not to do their jobs. It is clear that the anti-law enforcement sentiment that has been fueled in this country by Democrat and left-wing activist rhetoric has gone too far. Yes, there are bad cops out there, but addressing bad policing by ordering no policing at all is not a solution. It is extremist, it is dangerous, and it cost my husband his life. This is a powerful statement. Now, I want you to think about something, folks. The same thing we talked about yesterday. This 10-year-old girl, immigrant girl, Guatemalan, brought into this country 10 years old, had a knife put to her mouth because she didn't make dinner the way 
one of her captors wanted to make her dinner. Raped repeatedly by four people at age 10, pregnant, left impregnated with a miscarriage at age 10. Why was she in, why is she in the country? Why did she have to face this horrific nightmare? She had to face this nightmare because just like police officers were told to stand down, our border patrol has been told by this administration to stand down. Everything that was put in place by the Trump administration to try to curtail illegal immigration has been torn apart by this administration. They are complicit in child trafficking. They are complicit in the rape and abuse of children. They are complicit in the deaths that are occurring in this country from the overflow of fentanyl through our southern borders that are right now have no checks on them. They are complicit in communities all across this nation not having enough funds to meet their own responsibilities to American citizens because so far this year, so far since Joe Biden, over 2 million illegal immigrants are in this country. And we're expecting that to get worse. This is the greatest influx of illegal immigrants in this country in American history. And the Biden administration is complicit in every single action, every single activity they are complicit in. Every single illegal behavior the Biden administration is complicit in because they have wantonly failed to honor their commitment to protect and defend the borders and to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And they've done it on purpose for a political agenda. And they've done it because they hate Donald Trump. If you look around this nation today, you see it. You see it everywhere. I have a headline story here. California County saw 70% of criminal suspects released on zero bail commit new crimes. That's what a district attorney in a California county. Okay, Mrs. Dorn is back. Mrs. Dorn, thank you for, for, for coming back with us. I read a lot of your, I, I read a lot of your, your op-ed, but what I didn't mention was mm-hmm. what happened to the person that murdered your husband. There was a trial. And there what, was recently. Yes. What was the result? Um, <laughs> he was found guilty on all six charges. Murder first, criminal action, robbery, burglary. Uh, we are very thankful for the jury that found him guilty. And what will happen to him? Um, sentencing is September 13th, and the minimum sentence for him on uh, just the murder charge is life in prison without parole. So we're hoping they give him the max on everything. He's he's a convicted felon. Um, three times, two times I know of convicted felon of two prior robberies first and never served a day in jail for him. So here we are again. Another person that has been committing multiple crimes. This time he murdered your husband. And... Yes. It is only now that he will pay a price for his criminal behavior. And I heard you expressing sympathy for his family. Yeah, I mean, nobody wins in this. You know, his mother, his mother's losing her son now. You know, um, so nobody wins when this happens. You know, someone goes to jail, 
or, you know, they lose their life. All both families suffer. You know, um, I don't know what went wrong in his childhood or his life that, that drove him to do this, you know, but, you know, it's still a mother, regardless of how she raised her child. I have to ask you a difficult question to end our interview. Are you optimistic or pessimistic now about when you look out and you see things? I mean, you see what's happening to not just St. Louis. You've identified a problem that is happening in every single major city in America, including New York, including Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco. It looks as if it's falling apart everywhere with these repeat criminals let loose on the streets to prey on innocent people. Your family has suffered because of this. What yeah, do you I believe? Yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I believe I'm a very pessimistic about this. I believe that um, you know Judge George Soros is funding these prosecutors that are not taking office, and I believe they're looking at some kind of new world order, and they're starting by destroying these major cities from the inside out and allowing all these criminals to go. And you know, with just lawlessness, you know, I refer to it as the purge. There's just, there's going to be, it's going to come a time where citizens are just going to have to stand up for themselves, unfortunately, and we're going to have to take back our, our communities. And until people are fed up with what's happening, it's going to be the same. And the citizens have to vote. They have to get out there and vote for the right people. And, you know, we have to get a sense of community back. We just can't let people take over our society and do what they want to do. Has it been difficult for you? A lot of people that have would have experienced it experience what you have experienced would I guess the grief would have just paralyzed them in a way yet here you are speaking out what do you intend to do from this point and this op-ed that you wrote is brilliant what are you what what is your life going to be like as you look into the future now um I vowed to my officers you know I was a sergeant for for many years I was with the police department 28 years and I vowed to my officers to always be their voice and, you know, a lot of policemen across the country can't speak out to the wrongdoings going on in their agencies and how they're being destroyed from the inside out as well. And um, I vowed to be their voice and to speak up for them and to speak up for a victim. You know, just not my family suffered. Before David's trial happened, um, our prosecutor, Kim, Kim Gardner, has re- had released already four murderers because she didn't have anybody to prosecute or she just didn't feel the need to prosecute them. So those are families now going without justice and four murderers back on the streets to, to harm other people and, and to ruin other people's lives. So I'm going to continue to speak out. You know, I've turned my anger into this, and um, this is what I'm going to do with it. You know, I'm going to, to bring something good out of, out of a tragedy that we've had to suffer. I'd like you to stay in touch with this program. We'd like to help you raise your voice any way possible. Thank you for joining us, Mrs. Dorn. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Sturdy. We're coming back. We've got more, and we've got Van Morrison tickets after this. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now how we do this. We've got one or two lines free, and we'll recycle those lines right now. To all the Van Morrison fans out there, we're giving away tickets to his show on Saturday, September 10th, Forest Hill Stadium. You be the seventh caller right now. At 1-800-848-WABC, you'll win a pair of tickets. Van Morrison live at Forest Hill Stadium with special guest Tom Jones on Saturday, September 10th. Saturday, September 10th, be the seventh caller right now, 
800-848-WABC. You'll get a pair of tickets for all of those of you who aren't lucky enough to win the tickets. You still want to see Van Morrison, still want to see Tom Jones. You can get tickets right now on sale. A-X-S. That is A-X-S.com is where you get the tickets for the Van Morrison Show. We're coming right back right after this. Y'all know what today is, right? I said, do y'all know what today is? Today is Taco Tuesday! This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Really? Chaka brings us back. The song, of course, written by Ashford and Simpson. Nick Ashford, Valerie Simpson, who had their own brilliant career, both as songwriters... And radio host and performers. That's good. I would say let's go to the phones, but. All my calls got wiped out <laughs> with with the winner. We do have a winner. So if you want to try to get back in, if you were wiped out before, try right now. Let's see whether we can get you in real quick. 848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Let us go to, speaking of I'm every woman, let us go to the woman in Georgia, Stacey Abrams. Folks, I want you to pay attention to this. It speaks for itself. This is Stacey Abrams, who's running for the governorship of Georgia. Now, those of you who are religious people, I don't care what religion you are, this has to do with her interpretation of her religion and public policy. So, again, let us take a listen to Ms. Stacey Abrams. Abrams. We live in a state that right now has decided to take cruelty to a new level. I am the daughter of two pastors. I have a strong moral core. I was trained to read and understand the Bible, and I will tell you this. There is nothing about the decision to eliminate access to abortion care that is grounded in anything other than cruelty and meanness and danger in the state of Georgia. Nothing. Abortion care is a medical issue. It is a medical decision, and in the state of Georgia, it is a dangerous one. Brian Kemp, and yes, I'm going to call his name, is a hard-right religious extremist who has decided that he knows better than any woman about her body and has decided to make women second-class citizens in the state of Georgia in the year of our Lord, 2022. (laughs) 
it is particularly heinous for this woman to wrap up the killing, the mass killing, the mass genocide of babies in the room around the Holy Bible. I mean, that's just heinous. Once again, she repeats the oft-repeated lie that liberals say that this is about a woman's body and women. This is not about a woman's body. This is about a different body. It's about the body of a baby that happens to live inside the mother because that's the only way it can get to planet Earth. Thank you, Ms. Abrams. The Bible does not also say anything about harvesting baby parts, which is cruel. It's amazing to me that she finds cruelty in the decision to save life and yet does not attach cruelty to the harvesting of baby parts, which is what Planned Parenthood does, and primarily to minority babies, if you really want to be truthful about it. This is the wholesale genocide of black and Hispanic kids, which was the design of Planned Parenthood by their eugenics founder, Margaret Sanger. And for this woman to sit up and brag about her moral compass, how she's from two pastors, and yet there's nothing in the Bible about abortion, and it's cruel, and the people are cruel, and if you believe what the governor believes, you're some kind of, look, I don't like the governor of Georgia, but to call him a religious extremist, really? Who's being extreme here? These Democrats are so far off their rockers that they cannot even logically think this through anymore, that this is a different life than the life of a mother. They can't think it through, or they won't. They refuse to because of their ideology. This is a sickening statement. I want you to listen to Stacey Abrams one more. They are trying to make this the defining issue of the midterms now. And this is Stacey Abrams' part in it. She's trying to make this the Roe versus Wade decision a primary issue to bring out Democrat votes in the midterm elections. We live in a state that right now has decided to take cruelty to a new level. I am the daughter of two pastors. I have a strong moral core. I was trained to read and understand the Bible, and I will tell you this. There is nothing about the decision to eliminate access to abortion care that is grounded in anything other than cruelty and meanness and danger in the state of Georgia. Nothing. Abortion care is a medical issue. It is a medical decision, and in the state of Georgia, it is a dangerous one. Brian Kemp, and yes, I'm going to call his name, is a hard-right religious extremist who has decided that he knows better than any woman about her body and has decided to make women second-class citizens in the state of Georgia in the year of our Lord, 2022. The zealot here, Ms. Abrams, is not the governor. The cruelty that is taking place all over America It's not from people trying to save lives. It's from people that actually, (sighs) the people that she's raging against are people that value life, that think that life given by the creator of all of this is a sacred thing. The only person that's being cruel here, the Sabrams, is you. And it's stunning that you can't even see it. Let's go to the telephones, Madeline and Creeks. Crestkill, New Jersey. Thank you for waiting, Madeline. How are you? I'm well, Bo, 
and I'm so, so glad I found this radio show um, several months ago. I listen to you whenever I'm in the car, and uh, I just think you're very, very bright, very smart. You know your stuff. I don't know the facts the way you do, but I will say this. I I think abortion, (laughs) yes, it's a woman's right to, to do things to her own body that she needs to do, and yes, I I understand that we need to have a right to our own body. That's why I don't think um, vaccines should be mandated. Ah, uh, yes. that, that doesn't seem to cross over you know, mm-hmm. when you want. But I will say that it's so much more. It's so much more than just a procedure. Um, you live with that decision throughout your life. And I don't understand why adoption and you know there's so many people that want to raise a child that can't my daughter possibly is uh, going to she's going to have to go through so much to have a baby if it works thousands of dollars and everything she she would be a beautiful mother to any child and she can't get a baby because you know why there's you know this is a, it's an adoption is an option why isn't even that brought up it's just so infuriating to me that it, the only option is abortion. That's exactly right. What, what is this uh, Planned Parenthood? They, they should never have that name. It is, is a, no it is a mill for genocide. That is what it is. Madeline, I so love hearing from you. Thank you so much. I want to squeeze in one more call before we go. Jacqueline in Brooklyn, you have maybe a minute. you got to do this okay. quickly. Okay, James, thank you. Uh, you mentioned the congressional race, the 11th district in Staten Island. Uh, that also encompasses sections of Brooklyn because I'm in one of those districts that was redrawn. Uh, and you were referring to Maliotakis, who is the incumbent. I voted last week for John Matland, M-A-T-L-A-N-D. He is running against Maliotakis. I would encourage people in Brooklyn to verify the congressional district that they're in because they may not be in the same congressional district anymore. And they can go to the website to get any information if they want to find out about this fine young young man. Jacqueline, well done. Thank you so much. And we will, of course... Be listening later tonight, Dominic Carter with primary results as we go further into primary evening. Cats at night up next, and we're back tomorrow for Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour. Thank you again. One year here on WABC. It's been a blessing to be with you each and every day. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. We'll be back tomorrow at 4. See you then. Bye. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something.